amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of But First Brunch. I'm Catalina. And I'm Jessica. We pour ourselves a couple mimosas, or today some coffee. It's been a rough mm-hmm. week. <laughs> and we dive into pop culture and local stories to find the heart of the story. Uh, so today we're obsessed and really thankful for Demi Lovato. We're going to talk all about her insanely personal documentary about getting sober uh, called Simply Complicated. It's free on YouTube right now. So pause us if you haven't yes. seen it yet. Go watch it and come back. It is such a heavy story. You'll want to unload with us after you watch it. And it's not surprising that it's gotten 8 million views as of Friday when we're recording this. So she was really honest about everything from her drug use and rehab to an eating disorder to her sexuality, which she's never really openly talked about. No, never. It was really surprising. Yeah, yeah. So she released the documentary only a couple of weeks after her new album, Tell Me You Love Me. And it's not a coincidence because you almost have to see the documentary to even like really appreciate the whole album. Yeah, because she really goes into detail. So it's she's 25 now, and so the documentary spans most, it's mostly like the last decade from when she broke out on the Disney Channel, but she goes all the way back into her childhood to like really explain where her demons came from. And like, it's, it's it, like hindsight's always twenty twenty because right. when she was in that moment, because I mean, we know that she went to rehab and everything, but... In that moment, you're like, why is this happening to me? Why am I in this moment? And so she, in the documentary, she takes us back to her childhood. And you see, like, that's where every, that's like the little little seeds of garbage were planted in her life. Because her dad was an alcoholic and an mm-hmm. addict. Super, super sad. Like, we've always heard her say that she doesn't have, she doesn't call her, her biological dad, dad. She calls her stepdad, dad. Mm-hmm. Because her, apparently her dad was just a terrible person. He was an addict and an alcoholic and... I guess like in the in the documentary, she mentioned like just sad stories about how he would turn into a completely different person when he was drinking. You never ever forget those things, and that's why it's like people joke about like having like daddy issues and stuff like that. But it's like such a real thing. Yeah. Like you never really realize until you're a little bit older, like how much your father figure truly impacts like how you become. Oh yeah, and so we got to see a lot of um, a lot of cute little home videos of Baby Demi because her mom, who I didn't know, used to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I know. What the heck? I thought that was super cute. But on the kind of like I guess the sad side of it is that yeah. her mom put her in pageants, and because being obviously an NFL cheerleader and being a Dallas Cowboy, which yeah. is like the queen of the NFL cheerleaders, you develop these. Not necessarily like insecurities, kind of like a complex. Like you always have to feel like you're 100% put together all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was really sad to see Demi's mom feel like or share that she felt like she was kind of putting those sort of expectations. Those values in her. Yeah. Because they did pageants, her and her oldest sister. Because with pageants, it's it's tough because you're a kid and... And you're just taking all this input in, like, am I supposed to be beautiful? Like, is this what pretty is? And so it's like you grow up thinking that. Yeah. And for for her, pageants were where she and her family discovered she could sing. Yeah. So there's the benefit there that that she, because she had to perform all those different times during those pageants. Mm -hmm. And I love seeing throughout the entire documentary, it's not just Demi talking, like, you get to see her mom, both of her sisters, her managers, her mm-hmm. life coach. So hearing all these stories from Demi's life from these outsider perspectives, not necessarily outsider perspectives, but someone besides Demi, just made the storytelling that much better. Yeah, it made it a lot more real. You know, it's one thing when you hear somebody telling you about something, but then it's like when somebody, when you hear it twice, and then you hear it from somebody else, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like, that happened. Yeah, and it adds to it. Like, hearing... Because you, you see, you get to see like the cute footage of Demi and pageants and stuff, and then you hear her mom later on in the documentary talk about how, um, yeah, it was fun, but she was worried that she had put those body and beauty expectations on her daughter, and so it just it adds a totally different dimension to the story. And then was it when she was younger and she was in school? She was 
bullied, like nasty. Yeah. I did not know that about her. I remember hearing something about that. I don't remember when or what, but I know, I remember hearing like a rumor that she was bullied because of it was like weight and, um, because they called her a whore. Because they, what was so, what was so insane, it wasn't just like normal bullying. They were passing around like a suicide Petition. uh, petition. And these kids were like, because she was in what, middle school? So maybe she was 12, 11 years old. What kind of awful little monsters pass around a suicide petition? And it was so sad because she's thinking back and she's like, when I ask them, you know, why are you doing this? They didn't really know why. No. And they were calling her a whore. At 12 years old, did we actually know what a whore was? Right. No. We're just repeating words. Because at that age... Especially if it's like those are the popular people that like probably started that note. It gets passed around to the whole class, and the mm-hmm. other people feel like, well, if I don't sign this, they're like, if they they're gonna think I'm cool if I do, and if I don't, they're gonna think I'm just as like quote unquote lame as she is. Therefore, I'm gonna sign it. So when they're confronted and they're like, why are you doing this? Of course, they don't have any answer. Yeah, they're like, uh, uh, well, uh, you suck, Demi. Yeah, so so awful. So then fast forward a little bit, she um starts doing auditions and stuff. And we get to go through the whole story of when she broke out on Disney Channel. Like, did you ever see Camp Rock and Camp Rock 2? I did. Ah, I, I saw the first it. one and the second one. The first one was so good. But I thought it was interesting to know that she was like, using and stuff during that time. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, this was kind of where like the drug use began. Like the, Disney was her breakout. Like This was her big moment. That was moment. her big moment, for sure. And she said she started doing drugs at 17. So think like she's, I mean, Disney channels, Disney channel stars are like the squeakiest, clean, they're just dressed a certain way, they're told to act a certain way. I mean, we saw it with Lindsay Lohan, we saw it with Miley Cyrus, like there's a lot of pressure on you to keep up that Disney Which is why a lot of those people when they're trying to get out of Disney and stuff, it's like they almost like go the complete opposite direction. They're like, I don't have to be squeaky clean anymore. Take all 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 my clothes off. (laughs) (laughs) They're naked and they're doing drugs. (laughs) It's just bad. There's something wrong with Disney's formula of of building stars. But yeah, she did um, Camp Rock, Camp Rock Two, and then she got her own show, Sunny with a Chance, Mm -hmm. which I really loved at the time. Like I I never watched watched it it. all the time. See, I never watched. She was so cute. Like I loved Demi because she just looked different. She had like the she had the dark brown hair, and most Disney stars had like blonde or lighter brown hair. I just there was just something so aesthetically. I think something. I think Demi just kind of seemed a little more. I mean, granted, Demi is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but I feel like she's kind of girl next door. Mm You know, like yeah. I feel like she just didn't look. Um, I don't know something about and her. She was had just, that gap. It was just really relatable. She yeah. was just like the everyday girl, the really cool girl, kind of edgy yeah. that you oh, wanted her to be edginess? like. Oh yeah. yeah, she was definitely edgy in like Disney standards. But mm-hmm. I used to love the gap she had before she got it fixed. I thought there was one thing about Demi that I wish she still had from back in the day. It's her gap. Like, really? It was, yeah, because it was so. I don't. It just made her so much more not. Disney because everyone's just so perfect looking and she, like even though it's not necessarily a flaw but like a little gap compared to everybody else I mean even Miley Cyrus had to get her teeth fixed like she got veneers. Did she have bad teeth? She had she I had don't remember. Teeth. I don't know if she had like a crossbite or something but she ended up getting veneers like the teeth she has now. Homegirl was not born with those teeth. <laughs> but yeah I really liked Demi's gap but so that was when she's breaking out on Disney and then we find out like how many drugs she was actually doing i thought and this part really resonated with me well only just because it was just so like for sorry i can't even gather my thoughts here <laughs> it was well, it was she, that deep a documentary well so she was the host of i'm sorry the judge for america's got talent no for x factor oh x factor i'm sorry don't they have like similar judges or something I, or I something feel like, like if that. they all just kind of rotate i don't know but um at the time so after, like, it kind of came out that she was just kind of, like, losing it, um, they realized, like, I think the solution here is just to take her cell phone. So oh, yeah. they took her cell phone away, and, like, at the time, she was literally hosting, still the host of The X Factor, and they're like, meanwhile, she's hosting this giant show, mm-hmm. but her life at home, she's, like, trying to live a completely sober life, like, she doesn't even have a cell phone, like, it just puts some things into perspective that it's like, yeah, she's on this show that hundreds of thousands of people are watching, yet, like, her at-home life was, like, not 
at all what you would no. expect and it to be. And that was actually, she was on the X Factor after her, I think it was her second, re- it was between relapses because, so we kind of like skipped ahead a little bit, but. I'm sorry. So no, 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 it's fine because that's what's so crazy about this documentary is that like you're learning all these new things about Demi's life that, you know, she hasn't shared with us before and it's just like so overwhelming, like. That's why this is almost like turning into a Demi Lovato appreciation podcast. But it's because her sharing her story in such a very honest, real, relatable way is so important because she's sharing all these issues about mental health and addiction and eating disorders. It's it's all stuff that people really deal with it. And Demi dealt with it in the darkest way. And thankfully, she had people around her to help her get through it. So after the whole Disney thing happened, she she goes on tour with... The Jonas Brothers. And her and the Jonas Brothers have always been good friends. She dated Joe Jonas for a while, actually. <laughs> I remember. I know, right? For, and now he's engaged to, uh, oh, what's it? The chick who plays Sansa Stark on Game of Thrones, which Jessica doesn't watch, but it's fine. We're Sorry. still friends. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but um, so she went on tour with the Jonas Brothers, and then it was like during that time, she said she was using cocaine, and she was uh, drinking all the time. And then the big, I'll never forget this, because it just sounded so crazy at the time. Like, we hear the story of how she punched one of her backup dancers. Mm. And you're like, what? Demi Lovato wouldn't punch anyone. Like, yeah, she's kind of a badass. Well, the, the reason, someone. I mean, hopefully it's not a spoiler and that you've already watched it. But the reason she punched the backup dancer was because Demi had thrown this giant party that she paid for all the alcohol, she paid for all the drugs, and had all these people over, and somebody on her team, the backup dancer, like, found out about it, and Demi didn't know, like, who told originally, and so she was, like, trying to, like, go around, and she was, like... snitched on her. Yeah, and she was, like, who told, who told? So one thing they really expressed during this documentary is that she was became a very manipulative person. Mm. So she actually like tricked somebody, I can't remember, maybe her manager or something was, like that and was like, "You know what? It was Jonas it was the it was uh, the Jonas brothers' dad." Okay. Cuz he was the one who was like trying to come at her and be like, "You know, this is like it's not wrong, but I want to help you." Well, she she went up to him and was like, "Um, you know, I'm I'm sure whoever snitched on me or whatever was just looking out for me, like, and I know who it is cuz I just want to thank them." And so Obviously, he got like tricked into whatever that little puppy eyed mm. face that she had on. And so he told her, and Demi's first thought was, I'm about to punch someone. Like, right, yeah. So I'm she about to beat, beat a bitch up. Yeah. And so she found her, or whatever, like what, like right before they walked on the plane or yeah, something they were like leaving, that? They were leaving Colombia because they had just done a show there. So they're all getting back on the plane to leave. And just the, like, just watching Demi tell the story, um, in a parallel with one of her managers watching or telling the story because he was there and watched it. I mean, it's freaky. Like, she says that she walked onto the plane, walked up to Shorty, which was a dancer, punched her in the face, made no re- like had no reaction, went to the back of the plane, and just zoned out. Her manager was like, she just there, like there was nothing from her. She didn't say anything. She just hit her, went to the back of the plane, and they said she slept for like twenty hours after that. So like internally she was up, she was beating herself up because apparently then they say something about her calling her mom or texting her mom or something after or I think so yeah to kind of like tell her mom like I did something yeah I did something bad yeah and then that was I mean that was a a really bad moment because they say that's where she went on this like it was a two month bender she's like you couldn't stop her from calling dealers and doing drugs and that's why they took away her phone because they're like mm-hmm. this is the gateway mm-hmm. they, like this is all those people they're like you don't get this anymore you want to get better this is the how we have to do this yeah. her life coach seems like because i forget his name but he was um he was part of this group that's meant for helping addicts and he like he was with her every step of the way and every him who's probably dealt with some of the most you know, intense, unhealthy addicts, like he said that she was so hard to work with. They said that she would go back and forth one day wanting to get help and get clean, next day being like, no, piss off, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Didn't she say that she got diagnosed with bipolar disorder? That came, yeah, that came after. That was after she got into rehab. So Demi is, what, like probably 18 or 19, because she was 18 when she got into rehab, so she was 17 or 18. And she was like, I was either on drugs or craving drugs. At that age, to hear someone say that, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. And it was, they were talking a lot about like the pressure that she was on. Oh, yeah. And it makes. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sense like you're working a teenager. Think about, so when we were 17, what were we doing? Just messing around. Going to school. Trying to have a normal life. You were just having a normal life, you know? Like, that was our normal, was going to school and doing things. And she's forced to be not only an adult, but, like, a successful adult. Right? (laughs) Like, she has the the pressure of, like, Disney expectations and and now a record label, like, on her shoulders. Yeah. On a 17-year-old. From what, like, her, her family and her team were saying, like, they kind of saw these little things, but no one thought that she couldn't handle what she was being given at the time. Because you don't want to break one. You in one way, you probably do think you can handle it, and you kind of want to conquer the world. And but like, and and it's an, such a big opportunity, you don't want to turn it down. Right, exactly. And so you don't feel like you want to disappoint people. And I, I can totally see that perspective. Yeah. So she, so she went into rehab, and that's where she got diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder. And that's where like things started she, making sense. Exactly. She would be super manic, which is things like punching Shorty in the face. And then um, go into the what's it? She would say that she would like stay up all night, like and just like write and record, and like she would go have these like episodes. She's like, I've never known why I've always done that. She's like, I would literally stay up all night doing these things. She's like, it makes sense now Mm -hmm. because that's a part of a manic depressive. Yeah, Yeah. because you'll have these crazy manic episodes, and then you'll just crash into these deep depressives where you'll sleep twenty hours a day, and there's just without medication, there's just no way of controlling that. It's just your, it's the way that your brain is handling its emotions or and it, it's lack of balance. Um, so, yeah, she finds out she has like an eating, well, she always had an eating disorder because mm-hmm. when she was younger, she would not eat. She would really try to control her weight. Um, but then she also had bulimia, which ugh, makes me so sad to think about because Demi is gorgeous. Like when she was younger to when she's now, she's just, she's beautiful no matter like how much she weighs. And to see someone so talented, so beautiful, and just such, who genuinely seems like a cool person, who can't even enjoy a meal because all she can do is think about what it's doing to her body, really sucks. And that kind of thing, and that's why I appreciate her story so much, because it can affect anyone. Like, I know somebody very well that um, she is, she has an eating disorder, and she struggled with it for, you know, her whole life. And it's like, it's not... They can be so skinny, and but, and but that's just not what they see. Like, period, it's not. And and the the thing is, she's very aware of it, and so and she knows like what she's struggling with. Mm-hmm. But like she told me, she's like, there will never be a day in my life, even when I quote unquote get better, that I won't be thinking about like. I'll, she's like, I will always want to be eighty pounds. Mm-hmm. She's like, I will always want to be eighty pounds. And 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 trying to like, I couldn't completely comprehend it. I'm like, but why? But why? But there's, maybe there's not can. a reason, you no. know, they might not even completely know why. It's just, I mean, it's, there's all kinds of like psychological reasons mm-hmm. as to why people have it. But yeah, I mean, it's like Demi did the same thing. You see her later on in the documentary, which is more like present day. And she'll talk about how she's thinking about relapsing or does relapse and does have an episode of binging and purging. And it's like it, it, you. It's it's like being an addict. It's an yeah. I was you're never say, not you're an addicted. Addict. Yeah. You're addicted, and it's just like you're never not an addict. Yeah, that just takes pure like just dedication and commitment, and like that's hard. It's hard. And think about forming a good habit. How hard? How long that takes? Thirty days. Yeah. Yeah. It takes that's thirty days so, of doing something new to, to so, break a new habit. And so new hard. Mm-hmm. And and I can only imagine like just trying to break. Like, a, a bad habit, especially when it makes you feel good. Mm. You know, it kind of gives you a high. So it's like, that is so 
that is so hard and i just really i just love her story that much more because she wasn't just dealing with an eating disorder she was dealing with like that on top of all these other issues like Mm -hmm. it was just one thing after another and she came out sober and she's still although she's fighting all this stuff still she's doing it yeah and it makes anybody else think dude I can do it. Too. And it wasn't easy for someone like Demi Lovato, who had unlimited resources, uh, you know, like a really tight knit team around her. It was still hard. Like it wasn't just she went into rehab at 18, came out and was perfectly fine. Like she was still manipulating people. She was still using. She said she went through how many sober companions? Was it like 20? Something like that. 20 sober companions. And like she just would just hide away from them. Find a dealer, do drugs. Well, I don't know if you um, watched the Lady Gaga documentary or not. Oh, five foot two, not yet. It's really good, but she also talks about how um, there was who's like laying on the couch or whatever, and she's having like one of her like therapists or somebody talk to her. She goes, "I don't know what I would do if I didn't have like the money and the resources to be able to do this." She goes, "I feel really blessed that I'm able to do this because can you imagine?" She's like, "I can't imagine me having these issues and not having the resources." She's like, "Some people live like that," mm-hmm. and I just thought it was like. Just a really cool thing of her to say because it's like, yeah, dude. That's yeah. why like healthcare and universal healthcare is so important. Not to make this a political governmental thing, but that's why things like that are important. That's why keeping resources and funds going to those resources are so important because not everyone can afford, you know, luxurious a team rehab. of twenty people. Yeah, you can't have a life coach <laughs> flying around the country with you. Like it's just not realistic. I'll be your life coach, Catalina. Oh. Thanks, Jeff. Obviously, I've got my whole life together. <laughs> just, woo. You got Probably it. Only you were more like me. Oh, I'm just kidding. God. <laughs> oh, my God, no. <laughs> we don't need two of me, we I'm do- telling you. <laughs> no one needs two of either of us. That would just, it'd be too much for the world to handle. But I really love that. I mean, I don't love the fact that she had to go back to rehab, but it just, it makes it so much more relatable to her fans and just people in general that are going through addiction problems because after she went through 20 sober companions she went back that's where she finally like she really she gave up her phone and the the, they hold up the phone like they still have it they hang on to it which is crazy it's all busted up because there was like this like i wish we would have chucked it off of I'm so yeah right. I'm surprised they even have it still. Ooh, but like they're all holding it up in the documentary, and like you see that the the screen is like just spider cracked, like the thing is shattered. But they keep I think they keep it as like a reminder. Well, and it's probably smart though to hold on to it that way. If a similar contact ever popped up on like her real phone, they would know who it is. Do you think it still works? Do you think they like regularly charge it to make sure? Probably not. They probably trust her enough because uh, you have to. You know, yeah. otherwise, if you don't feel like, you're, but I don't, I don't think it's a terrible idea to just in case, you know, maybe not, you don't have to do it all the time, but especially if she wants to be kept in check, like if that was something, maybe she requested that, like, you never know. Like, I know that oh, yeah, if I'm trying to form a good habit, I always tell my, my roommate, I'm like, yo, hold me accountable. Yeah. And so maybe that there's just some element of accountability that they're like, you know what, we're going to hold on to this phone. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, but. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I mean, maybe, but I think it's. I think it is kind of cool that they they held on to it and that they they showed it in the in the documentary because they were like, this was this was her channel to everything, every dealer, every bad person that she knew, and they just had her. They were like, if you really want us to stay and help you, because they they threatened to drop her. It wasn't even like um, if if they were like <laughs> her manager Phil McIntyre was like, I'm we're going to drop you. And not to, and he managed to get everybody on their team like on the same page. Yeah, like the lawyers. Everybody. Like everybody was on his page. So if he was gone, everyone was gone. Mm-hmm. So she would have been just yeah. out of luck completely. Yeah, and that's when she really started taking it seriously. That's when she got on X Factor, and I don't like I don't think because I, I can't remember what she shared on her own like on Twitter or social media or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember hearing that while she was on X Factor, she was living in a sober house. So you see Demi glammed up on the X Factor and homegirls going home to live with a bunch of other people who are fighting the same struggle she is. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I must have missed that. Oh, sorry. I like you got to sneeze? <laughs> I have <a> sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It went away. <laughs> no, it's like there. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're screwed. 
Oh, no. Um, I stuck a pen up my nose the last time that happened to me. Yeah, that was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do anything, so don't do that. Um, Okay, anyways. Yeah, I guess I kind of missed... I didn't completely know what they meant at first. I thought that just meant, like, that she had, like, a sober roommate or whatever. I didn't realize that it was just, like, she was literally with, like, strangers Mm -hmm. that were, like, fighting the same thing. Wow! Good for her. And that... See, that's even more, like, to the point that I made a few minutes ago... That's amazing. One, mm-hmm. she did. She didn't have a phone. She's literally living like with a bunch of these strangers trying to get better. But she's on one of the biggest shows in, on, TV. on yeah. TV. Yeah, and you would never know like what she was going through. No. That's why you should be kind to everyone you meet. Everyone, you never know what they're dealing with. And with her, like she was just, she was dealing with the issue with her with her her addictions and everything the same way other people do. But it was in such a different way because, yeah, she's going home to this sober house, but she's still having to be Demi Lovato and yep. work like Demi Lovato. Um, and then I think that's around the same time she started dating Wilmer Valderrama, who is one of the finest people he in the world. He is so cute. smile. <laughs> Listening to him talk, whether it's in English or in Spanish. Ooh. Mm. So cute. Never forget that he was Fez, probably one of the most yeah. unsexy characters. Which is hilarious. Ever. It took me a minute because at first, because I was like, "Gosh, like, I'm like, I know that he's, I've seen him in shows, but what if, what was the main one that I'm he like, Fez? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that 70s no show. No <laughs> way. Yeah, hilarious. Oh yeah, super fun. But I didn't realize that they had met. Um, when she was 17, and of course she was like, "I don't believe in love at first sight," but I knew that's what it was. I mean, shoot, I look at what she got it. I'm on, I'm like, I, I like that she she reminded me of me when she was like, she was talking about having a crush on him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so kind of like, she was like, kind of kind of make the move. She was like, I'm going to get this dude. Because I'm the kind of person too, like if there's a guy that I'm like super interested in, I'm going to go in for the kill. Whether it's, I'm going to be very strategic Ooh, as to how it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm very strategic. <laughs> but I'm like, they're like, Finally, they're like, nice to meet you. I'm like, I knew this was going to happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> I planned this out. I've actually memorized your schedule, and I knew you were going to be here mother, at this time. I know all your aunt's names. It's not that bad. <laughs> but... <laughs> so I'm just, please hire Jess for the CIA. She knows everything about the guy before she even meets him. I am so sorry if you're listening to your husband, <laughs> but this is how it's going to be. <laughs> just accept it. That's how it's going to happen. But that's okay because that's like the way that Demi went after Wilmers because she was seventeen. Obviously, he was like he was like what thirty two. He was, tw- was twenty nine. Twenty nine at the time, and he was like, "Nah, girl, like mm-hmm. back up." So they eventually start dating later on, or like when she was like eighteen, and they dated for a while. What was it seven? Years? Six years. Six years. I'm and they looked. They seemed to be a really great. They got along really well together. They had yeah. a really good dynamic, and even like as it showed after they. Even after they decided it wasn't like working out or whatever, like that was completely mutual. Mm-hmm. But you saw how they even acted together, and they were just, they were great exes. Yeah, they just you could tell they really care about each mm-hmm. other. They like legit cared about each other as people, which was so sweet to see. Yeah, yeah, because the they in the documentary they show footage of um some party that she had, or that they both went to, and you can see like. They still clearly love each other, whether it's like not even necessarily romantically. She says that she still loves Wilmer, um, but you can tell that they have like this great love as friends for each other, mm-hmm. and it's so sweet. It's so sweet to see, and you can tell that he genuinely really cares about her too. Well, what I really liked post breakup is that she was she was talking a lot about how she was learning to be like who she was on her own because she started dating. They were dating for six years, and she was young when they first started. So it's like. Then now, she, they towards the end of the documentary, they're starting to show like single Demi and like her mm-hmm. coming into her own and like figuring out what she likes. And it reminded me a lot of myself because like I had been like on off in relationships and stuff. And this past like year and six months or whatever is like it's been so much fun because I'm like I am single and I'm just doing what I've been like what I want to do. And I like you learn so much about yourself in that time. So there you were just like wow, she is like totally normal because. That's like what a lot of us are going through when yeah. you're in your what like she's she's what twenty five she's twenty five now yeah so it's like I'm very close in age with her so I'm like I see you I get I get it. it yeah and yeah and she's on dating apps now and so that's when we like we get to see like single was it her her team said single Demi is fun because <laughs> she because they're she, used to not having that exactly yeah, she's she was with Wilmer for six years and now she's this like she's more confident. 
she's healthier mentally and physically. Like you get to see all this footage of her working out, and because that's that's how her life coach helped her um, channel like her demons was through exercising. At first, like she wasn't feeling it, and now. Uh, what's she doing? Not not Taekwondo. Um, it's jiu-jitsu. like jiu-jitsu. Yeah, she yeah, jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. and she boxes. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is like, if you follow her on Snapchat, like I, I follow her on Snapchat. I watch her Instagram stories all the time. <laughs> Girl loves the gym. Boom. She loves it. And it makes sense. Like you, like you'll read all kinds of studies. Talk to any nutritionist, dietitian, life coach, doctor, psychologist, whoever. They will tell you that there's something about working out that really helps your mental health well yeah it's like you're it's like good endorphins like that's why whenever i tell my roommate like if i'm like in a bad mood i'm like i need to go work out yeah i'm like i'll be back i yeah. used to be me now i just take <laughs> i feel so much Same better way. when i wake up from the nap you do like sit-ups in your sleep in your dream yeah. you know or it's like i'll go outside and like walk around for a bit for me it's just being outside like if i'm outside reading a book it's fine. I ain't got to go do crunches to feel better. I'm sure it would help. I'm sure it would help. But I'm just like, mm, mm. moving on. Um, so, yeah, we get to see her at the gym. And she's, like, talking about using dating apps. And then we get we, – she starts talking about her sexuality, which she she tweeted out, I think it was September of last year. Um, she's like, my sexuality is nobody's business. But, you, like, you'll, you'll see it in my documentary. And she – she says she, yeah. she's openly sexual. Like, like she, she, has, she doesn't matter if she's dating a girl or a boy. She just wants to date that person. Yeah, she said she's like looking just for connection. Yeah, which is kind of cool to hear from Demi. Like, it's it's I just seeing her confidence when it comes to her sexuality is just so empowering. Wasn't one of her songs actually about her sexuality? Cool for the summer. People assumed it was about her kissing That's girl. That's yeah. right. Because what is, what is she? Whatever. I, there, there was yeah, a specific but, lyric that I'm trying to remember, but I do remember when I heard it and I was like, wait a sec. Mm-hmm. It was almost like I kissed a girl, but people were really speculating whether Demi was trying to tell everyone that she was exploring sexually and that she was possibly bisexual or just, you know, queer or whatever it was. And so, yeah, she came out and flat out said, like, yeah, I'm just, I'm dating whoever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. And of course, she tells these great stories about dating douchebags. <laughs> great stories. <laughs> Welcome to my realm. <laughs> Everybody's dating life. There's always that guy who you think is like super hot. He turns out to be such a douchebag. Not worth anybody's time. Nobody's time. But I think my favorite thing about the documentary was all the footage we got to see of her in studio. Yes. Recording the new album, Tell Me You Love Me. Oh. It's just it's like sprinkled all throughout because they kind of jump back and forth on on a timeline, and you get to see her because it was filmed in early 2017, like for for seven months, and that's when she was recording for fin- I think she was like finishing up the recording, but you see her like doing take after take of this one song, and the producer was like, "You can pick any of these; they're different variations of perfection." I mean, just raw talent, you know, I. I- I appreciate watching them in studio because you hear like their real, you see their real mess ups, and you. But I'm like, wait, are, are, when are you gonna mess up? Right. <laughs> but even when she messed up, quote unquote, like in her head, like she thought she had made a mistake or whatever. I love seeing her reactions, and uh, and I like how she would like pick out pieces of it that she would like. She's like, I like how I did it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we can do it like this. And I mean, she's a jet. Like people can make fun of pop music all they want, but Demi Lovato is. 
100% writing her own songs or at least co-writing her songs and her vocals are real. Like this girl's not lip syncing her songs. Mm-hmm. This is her voice. Like you get to hear it completely unfiltered. That's how it is. And it's yep. she's just incredibly talented. Yep. And her humor, like you get to see Demi's got like this really dark sense of humor, which I totally identify with. And it's just, <laughs> it's so funny to watch how she interacts with like her makeup artist and her hairstylist and because they're all friends to her now. Yeah, absolutely. It's so fun to see. But what this reminded me of was um because you brought up the, the Lady Gaga's documentary, but this kind of so reminds good. me of Britney Spears' documentary from a few years ago. It was probably longer than that. I didn't see it. It was, I think it was called Piece of Me, but it was on MTV. (laughs) And it was supposed to be this explanation as to, I mean, kind of similar to Demi. It was supposed to explain, you know, what happened with Britney's 2007 mental (laughs) breakdown and all that stuff, right? The shaving on her head. Never forget that. Um, But it was so disingenuine. Like, you could tell her strings were still being pulled. Like, her parents were controlling her finances. Uh, I don't remember if she had custody of her kids at the time, but like she lost custody of her kids at one point. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it and in this documentary, um, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a real person. It still feels like Brittany is having to put on this face mm-hmm. of like I'm better, but I'm like damaged, and it's okay for me. But damn, it just didn't feel. As honest, it still as felt kind Demi. of yeah. It still felt kind of too brushed. Yeah, all, like too prepared. Like yeah, someone, it was telling her what to say and how to. But I just remember like there was she's like crying at some point, and like that's where you finally saw something like. These aren't my words. And it, it's mm. I just I was like I still wait for for Britney to like, really be probably online somewhere. Yeah, you, you probably watch it still somewhere. Um, huh. It was just, but this is this is why I loved Simply Complicated so much. It was because Demi, it was all Demi's words. You could tell it was Demi's words. And you had her family backing her up and her team backing her up and sharing their stories of what happened. And it was just so real and so needed. Like Demi was saying all the time that, you know, her fans will tell her that they saved their lives mm-hmm. because they were close to her having suicidal thoughts and her music and her sharing and being so honest with her story helped them help them realize like hey other people are going through this she went through it i can get through this you can come out of it yeah yeah you won't be perfect but you can get and sometimes better. it's just so nice just to have somebody to identify with knowing like you are not alone in how you were feeling oh yeah especially when you find out like somebody that you really look up to had gone through it or is going through it at the same time mm-hmm. and demi not having a filter about it really makes sharing the message even better mm-hmm. so yeah that her new album is it tell me you love me I'm just gonna go binge it for the rest of the day. I know. Actually, I um I saw this video, like a viral video, months ago of like this little boy in an elevator that was singing the "I'm Happy." For oh my you. God! Yes. I'm happy yeah, uh, it like really got me. I remember I didn't know that was Demi's song. I had no idea, and then it showed at the end. I'm like, that's her song. That's the oh end. my <sighs> God. I cried because that was that's that's how the end of the documentary it was just like cutting these pieces yeah. together everyone covering that song and I cried because you can tell how important that song was to everyone singing even uh, the little boy in the elevator you can tell so like much, that, that song made him feel a certain way he was yeah. like what seven eight years old maybe so good oh my god I just want to go watch it again <laughs> I seriously want to watch this documentary again it was so so good uh, it really was watch the Lady Gaga one though too ooh you said hers, is, all of hers is very honest and Stranger Things because it's back. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go watch Netflix. Bye. <laughs> We've seen this huge push within the last year for women to support other women. It's all over cute millennial pink inspirational Instagram accounts and female figures we've seen as strong like Demi Lovato and Beyonce. But Donna Orinder is a name right up there with them. After serving as the president of the WNBA, she started Generation W to bring women together and build their confidence and share big ideas so we can be the change we want to see in the world. She also created Generation Wow to make sure the next generation of women know they can make anything possible. We're excited to talk to Donna about the Gen Wow event happening next week. Welcome to the podcast. All right, so you had a successful professional basketball career. Tell us about this. I love the game of basketball, and it's something that I played from, I guess, when I was I learned when I was a teenager, a young teen girl. It has 
to me. It's about poetry and music and dance, all of it. And uh, I was able to compete at a very high level. I played at one of the best teams in the nation, college teams. And, and, you know, timing is a lot of things. And I was just actually playing at a time when the first Women's Professional League started. And I was able to participate in all three years, earn all-star status. And uh, I have to say, it was a dream come true. Actually, you know, it's really funny. For a lot of girls, it was a dream you never dare dream. Because when I was growing up, it wasn't even there. And then, poof, it was there. It was pretty awesome. I mean, you're basically part of history in that case. Yeah, it's it's funny. I just got back from Milwaukee. I gave a talk yesterday on some of this. And, uh, And it is interesting because there's a lot of young athletes, especially female today, who do who know nothing but opportunity to play. And, you know, we've worked hard to make sure that that could happen. And we're going to have to work hard or just as hard to make sure that that stays um, and continues to grow. Was basketball something that you initially got yourself into or something your parents introduced? Oh, my parents were not supportive. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh, no. They thought that it was really weird. Like What (laughs) What did they want you to do? They wanted me to study. You know, I did lots of different things. I mean, I played all different sports, but they, they didn't see sports as really a really wonderful, viable avenue for for their for their daughter actually when did you finally change their minds and they were like this Uh, is actually good (laughs) probably when i got to college by that time we were playing at such a high level i knew it wasn't going to change so by then they were like okay and even now if i give a speech and they're in the in there in the audience i'll look at them i'll say see mom and dad it didn't turn out that bad (laughs) that's so funny mine Uh was actually i was totally opposite my parents really pushed sports and they were like well your grades are okay (laughs) so we're just gonna Keep you up what you're good at. Let's use that athletic ability. Isn't that funny? I know. And we want and we want parents. I mean, that's what I spoke about yesterday is why it's so important for young women to have opportunities to play. I mean, how it just positively impacts all of us. And uh, it was specifically we talked about Title IX. And it's not, I mean, it impacts women, but truly it's a, it's a thing that's all about community, men, women, and community. So it's important. Yeah. And when you, when you left the WNBA, you ended up working um, at the PGA Tour. And I mean, like, you got high up at the PGA Tour. How did you, because we always hear like, you know, women need a seat at the table and you have to leave space for them to have a seat at the table. Was it something that you really had to fight for or was that like a natural really transition? That's, that's so funny when you say you have to leave a seat at the table. Nobody's leaving seats at the table. You've got to really earn your way in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I have always been very achievement focused, all about getting something done that's impactful and important and I was never going to be deterred till I got there and I think that was worthy of having a seat at the table because um, I was going to make things happen by being at that table and then when you so you kind of like went back to the WNBA but not as you know well, a coach or a consultant the first women's league just so you know the first women's league was called the WBL which is the women's professional basketball league so it was a precursor to the w, to the WNBA oh. I used to love it when I was you know I was, I was the commissioner and people come oh you played in the WNBA and I'm like thinking oh how wonderful you think I look that young <laughs> but no <laughs> And, and I, you know, sometimes I just say, yeah, it's great. I don't want to like go into the whole story, but the truth is there was a precursor league called the WBL and I played in that league. It's a league that lasted three years and, you know, it really was a precursor. There were teams. I remember I played in Chicago. We had 7,500 people come to the game. It was great. Wow. It was great. We had really, I mean, Chicago's a great sports town and uh, we had a lot of great fans there and I really enjoyed that. You know, as is challenging in sport in general, but particularly in women's sports, Uh, building that economic base takes time and uh, they ran out of time. Well, how did your career in basketball or even your time with the WNBA lead you to start Generation W? Ah, great question. Um, when When I got to the WNBA, it was a slap in the face because there I was really on the leading edge of culture and commerce. We were really committed to building a business around strong women, right? About women's sports. And it was there that I saw really firsthand the kind of bias, both unconscious and conscious, the prejudice, how the economic and corporate system and sponsor system worked um, and behaved vis-a-vis women. And it was then that I knew I had come home because I really found my passion and purpose around helping to build community, understanding that community is strengthened by equity for all. And that's how Generation W happened. What are things that you learned while you were playing professionally and throughout the rest of your career, things that you're trying to pass on through Generation W, which is basically just this amazing community of women empowerment? Yeah, I don't like to speak about empowerment, although everybody seems to do that, because I always feel like people look at power as a limited resource. 
So, you know what I mean? If you have power, Jessica, and you have a Catalina, then there's less for me. And I don't want people to feel threatened by that. I want people to feel enhanced by that. I want people to be motivated, inspired by being surrounded by talent and great ideas. And that if somebody has a great idea, it doesn't make it more powerful. What it does is it provides the ecosystem with more fuel to make us all better. And, and so Generation W is all about educating, inspiring, and connecting women, girls, and community. Men are, wel- are very much welcome because we create community, all of us. I believe that there are so many great women who are undervalued in so many ways, and some of that undervalue comes from ourselves in terms of the way we're socialized. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. And so um, I believe that if we can draw that out of each other, um, we rise together, then wow. You know, listen, as long as we live in this community, we live in this, this state, this country, let's really collaborate to make it the best we can be. I love hearing you talk because it's like I don't even need a cup of coffee. I just need 10 minutes of Donna Orinder. <laughs> I'm just picturing this giant, like, domino effect, like, as you're talking. Like, it's that, that idea of just that it's not about who has, like, more power. It's just about us affecting each other. Correct. Generation W has been this yearly event where you bring in these amazing speakers and everyone leaves just feeling like they can take on the world. But now you have Generation Wow, which is basically the same thing, but for teenage girls. So that's the event that you have coming up next week. So tell us what you're what you're planning for this year. Okay. Well, listen. First of all, the girls are part of the planning. We have this phenomenal new executive director, Atia Abdelmalik. Uh, we have an amazing team: Tara, Kasha, Christina, Sherry. It, it's a great group committed. You know, it's really funny for me. I look back and say, Ah, you know what? I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known how much people really cared about me, even though they told me. I wish I would have known that I had these opportunities. I wish I would have known how to chase those opportunities or create them for myself. Or who do I go to? I want to let you know that you're not alone. You're not alone. And so Generation Wow is all about the positive and the possible. And when these girls leave, you know what? They feel like they should feel like they can walk on, you know, they're they're 10 feet tall and they can walk on air or they can walk on water. And that they're leaving with real tangible to-dos. Not only that, they leave with somebody who's actually spent some time with them. And this is hard for you. It's harder than I thought. Um, And then I should realize it's hard for women too, but we're providing this skill of connectivity. If the world really is about tribes, then we should grow up learning how to build our own tribes. And we are starting with women. So let's say a lot of our girls are interested in the medical healthcare field, women who have experience in that field, and they're making themselves available to these girls. What are your questions? What are your interests? How can I help you? If you need advice, you know, remember, it takes a village to raise a kid. A lot of times, I don't know about you, if either of you have kids, but there are times when my kids come to me with issues and I'll go to my friend and say, could you talk to my kid about this? They love you. They respect you. It's better if they hear your voice. And so we're also trying to put really quality, experienced voices and presence in the lives of girls. It's powerful. It is. That, I will say, is a powerful impact. So you said kind of the talking about girls and, and the women, but for between like millennials and this younger, this next generation of women, because you've spent so much time and you brilliantly analyze everything within these communities. What are you seeing in the next generation of women or like any kind of disconnect between millennials and the next generation? Ah, oh, that's a really good question. You know, we, we, there's a lot of talk about millennials in terms of their varying value set. Now, I think in lots of ways, millennials, it's, it's if I had the greatest, uh, the greatest experience. I ran into a woman who used to work with me, and she's in her 50s, interestingly enough, and she was in her tennis clothes. It was the middle of the day, and I said, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm still working at that company, but I'm a millennial now. And I said, why? She goes, well, they're, you know, the office is much more concerned about what I think and what I do, and I have my own time. And I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's a real impact in terms of the millennial think, which is this constant ongoing evaluation of really what is important, what's not, and how do I want to spend my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so I think that's a piece. There, the piece that, if there's anything that really concerns me, is you know you grow up in in your generational surroundings, 
and it gives you a belief set, and naturally, because that's what you have come to expect. And I do think that some young, younger women take for granted some of the benefits that they, a lot of people have fought for. And as we can see now, they are, we shouldn't take any of it for granted. I mean, we shouldn't take democracy for granted. Because all of this, all of this happens because of a collective belief that we can support it and be a part of it and help continue it. So if, if you're not participating in, short, in ensuring rights in an equitable way for, on a gender level, a racial level, guess what? They will. They will become eroded. And so I am concerned about that. So just going back a moment, you said that these women walk away and they can have these like tangible like mentors. How do you how do you go about setting that up? How do they get connected with the mentor in the first place? Um, well, what they do is when the girls register, they'll put in an area of interest, and I think we have like nine or ten uh, like kind of buckets, whether it's um, professional services, volunteer, government and philanthropy, a medical, um, you know, all these kind of different buckets. And we've spent a lot of time over the years really understanding what the right buckets are. And then when women mentors sign up, they will have areas of experience and expertise. Now, I will tell you, when we first started this, we used to make one-to-one matches. And then we realized that that was crazy. It just, it didn't work. And, you know, some of it's magic. And some of it doesn't happen. I always have to tell our, especially our um, type A women, sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's okay because your mere presence, your being there, is part of the learning experience for all of us. Now, I have a lot of women who come who say, you know, I came for the girls, but gosh, I left with a ton for me. And that's, you know, this intergenerational connection. That's what it's all about is this idea that we learn from each other. It's not all one directional learning, right? I, I can learn a lot from a 13-year-old. I can learn a lot from a 17-year-old. I want to take that in as well. I mean, yes, I have experience. I have life experience. Great. We all do. But you know what? Their life experience, they have a life experience, too, and I want to hear about it. I want to know what's happening. It's great. I, I, it's energizing. Now, what if a, a young woman goes to the Gen Wow and doesn't really have an, an idea of what she even wants to do or what her direction is? Are there specific mentors that are able to speak to that? Sure. Of course. There are people that are going to tell her that that's okay. Listen, I have kids like that. I have a 20-year-old son like that. <laughs> I tell them, it's okay. You do not have to have the, all the answers. We'd love to teach you how to ask the questions or what the good questions are to get those answers. But those answers could be a long time in coming. Part of living a fulfilled life is understanding that that's part of the process and that's okay. It's okay. Ultimately, that's the message. You will be okay. I think that's so, that's so funny that you say your 20-year-old son is like that. And I just turned 29 and like I just got out of that phase thinking like I have no idea what I want to do. Oh, so gosh. Try, tell him not to worry. That, Trust me, I have 40, 50, 60-year-old women who say the same thing. Oh, listen, we all, listen, I think all of us, let's be honest, all of us wake up one day and say, what do I really want to do? What do I want to do? Ah, oh, I'm actually doing what I want to do. That's a good thing. But not enough of us get to say that or not enough of us can you know, kind of tease out the meaning of what we're doing and also provide the framework for what we're doing and look at it positively. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of all these different kinds of messages, but being open to hearing them is really that's what's a part of this whole wild movement as well. So with Generation Wild coming up in just a few days, is there yes. still space for more girls? Well, I'll tell you what. We're having the discussion right now whether we should shut down the girl registration. It, it, we always find this to happen. It happens. Principals will call us and say, I've got a bus. The word travels. And that, I guess, is the most validating thing. Um, we do this because we think it's the right thing to do. But ultimately, what we think is not as important as about what the community thinks. And so what we see in terms of this incredible growth of WOW is they're telling us that this has real value for them. Um, and so, yes, hurry now. <laughs> Final registrations for the girls. We're always happy to take more mentors. And, you know, what mentors should, should know that this is a connecting experience. So you come, you meet the girls, you also get inspired. You offer to connect with them another two times. We have had tremendous success stories of long-term relationships. I mean, I think there was one in the Times Union the other day that happened through this experience. We also have girls who show up and say, I don't know why I'm here. I mean, they do, but you know what I mean? They're not ready, perhaps, but we are one step in helping them get ready. So um, it, it runs a, a continuum of experience, but overall, very, very positive for everyone who intends. 
And by the way, let me just say this. It's no longer just this one event. We are also, some of our girls started their own WOW Club. Grace Friedman and Piper Cush and several other girls at Ponte Vigia loved it so much, they created their own club. Mm-hmm. And now we're working with City Gear, and we have clubs at uh, Rebolt and Reigns and Jackson and Lee and White. And we have this incredible curriculum. And so this is a, this is a growing movement. And Donna, I know you're really humble, but like, does that ever make you just kind of like sit and soak in the fact that these girls left your conference and, and felt, you know, strong enough, excited enough to start their own clubs? It's amazing, isn't it? No, I don't know that it's so good, but it really is amazing. We took their lead. We took their lead. And I, yeah, I think that's really amazing. And now it's led to this whole big thing. And, we, you know, we wrote a book. Maybe we'll do that on your next podcast because our book will come out in, um, I think, yeah, our book will come out right after the first of the year called Wowsdom, which is the wow of our girls and the wisdom of our women. So it's a teen girl's guide to the positive and the possible. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back right before the book comes out because that's anything you do is exciting. Oh, wow. That's so nice of you. What do you you. look forward to most when you host these events? I really love the energy of being in the room where people are open and excited and sharing. And that is a tank filler, right? So when you sit in your office and you slug it out, or yesterday everyone was filling bags, and although there's a positive energy there, it's really when you're in the moment with everybody where, uh, honestly, everybody's tanks get filled over the top, and I really do look forward to that. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. We'll be there. Obviously, you know I'll be there helping lead a, a discussion. Um, yeah, by the way, you are, you, are leading, you are leading one of our really um, exciting new content initiatives, Me, We, Us, and... Um, that's the other thing is these new ideas that you know get generated. I really get excited about those. And this one, really trying to not only touch you intellectually, but to touch the hearts. Like when you when you learn when you feel something inside of you, it gives you the ability to really act and react. And Catalina, no pressure on you, but you are going to be able to make that happen on Don't Wednesday. Don't tell me that. No pressure, Don't Catalina. That makes me so nervous. Just the fact that you're giving me the ability to help mold <laughs> young minds made me so nervous. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me just say this. I'm not giving you anything. You have it. If we didn't think you had it, we wouldn't have invited you. It is in you, and you're just going to let it shine. So we're, we're really excited. How ridiculous is that? Donna's just so incredible. She can take something like self-deprecating that I said and turn it into, no, but you're awesome. See, that's <laughs> just that's are. just how Donna and thinks, and I love does. it. It's so infectious, and I hope by by the time this comes out, by the time this podcast comes out, I hope there's still enough space for girls to go. Uh, as far as mentors, is there still? Yes, is there yes, a limited number? Always, yes, we're always 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 looking for mentors. Okay, yes, perfect. Awesome. So if you want to register as a mentor, or you know, a girl who would probably love love a Generation girl, Wow, correct? Yeah, GenWow2017.eventbrite.com. Go register ASAP. It's uh, Wednesday, November first at UNF. Donna, thank you so, so much for being you and for putting on these amazing, amazing events. Uh, Thanks to both of you. I look forward to seeing you. After we had already talked to Donna, the registration for the Gen Wow had already filled up. Which is great, but sadly... We, you can't be a mentor. Yeah, you can't be a <laughs> mentor anymore. <laughs> and I think even just the spots to attend are full, too. Oh, yeah, those those filled yeah. out real quick. So yeah. maybe there's some way, but as of right now, um, it's full. So, yeah. um, But you can follow our Instagram story next week to see everything from that day. Catalina is yeah. going to be one of the, is um, it a host? I'm moderating a discussion. The, the one that Donna mentioned, me, we, us, talking about how we all have differences, but those differences also make us more alike than people think. And it's just going to be a really great discussion with a really awesome group of high school students. I am so excited. Yeah, You're so follow us so on great. Instagram at But First Brunch Podcast so you can see everything that we post about, everything from Genwell 2017, and I don't know, whatever else that we find that we think is pretty mm. or funny. Yes. Mm. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening. We put out new episodes every Sunday on our free iHeartRadio app and wherever else you find podcasts. I'm Catalina. You can follow me everywhere except my house because that's weird at Catalina on Air. <laughs> And you can follow me. Wait, I screwed that up. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Jessica. (laughs) Gosh darn it. When am I going to get this right? (laughs) It works.
It works. It's okay. so Jess. <laughs> and I'm Jessica. You can follow me on my Instagram at Jessie Coops or on my YouTube channel also at Jessie Coops. Yeah, go follow her YouTube. She posts really great stuff lately. And some oh. of our like behind the scenes stuff from when we go meet people. We even have a fun video of Lori Hernandez when we got to meet her. So and we gave her cookies. Yes. Yeah, so go check out Jessie's uh, YouTube channel. All right, we'll be back with you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.